This is the Peaks Audio Experience. And welcome back to The Peaks Life. I'm Mike Warren. This is Lynn Fernie. You're joining us for bite-sized chunks of wellness wisdom. And today I'm going to say serious wellness wisdom. Serious Sarah, wellness not, not, not the, not the not, fun, coffee, not the frivolous. fats, frivolous, <laughs> ice baths, sun, all the fun stuff. Today we've got a serious subject. I think it's actually, I think it's something that a lot of people may not be fully aware um, of the importance of, but I think it's a worthwhile subject. So we're going to talk about metabolic health. That sounds fancy. <laughs> Good, because you're going to demystify it. So let's start there. Let's first of all start with what is metabolic health so those people tuning in get a sense of whether they want to tune out and turn off and go away and do something else or whether it's important. So scare us with the details of metabolic health, Lynn Fernie. What is it? So I think you hear the term metabolic health. Mm. We also hear the term metabolic conditions and we hear terms like metabolism. Mm. And, you know, people perhaps don't really, you know, truly what they are because what we're talking about is we're talking about the systems and processes that go on inside of us okay all right so we're talking about the things that basically keep us alive um, and we don't see those you know we see what's on the outside we see True. our hair color we see our skin we see how clear our eyes are we see our body size and shape mm. and they may give us indications of metabolic health but it doesn't really tell us a lot about those functions and processes mm. that are happening day to day, you know, hour to hour, minute to minute, and keeping us alive and in really good condition. Mm, okay. So, you know, we're talking about the transport of the um, important hormones around the body. We're talking about how the body takes up its fuel. So when we eat and we eat, you know, whether it's fats or whether it's carbohydrates, it's how the body takes up glucose or how the body makes ketones and uses them. Mm -hmm. um, it's how the body processes those things. It's how the hormones um, get transported around the body. So if I'm a woman and I'm producing female sex hormones, am I producing enough? Right. And are they getting to all the right places? If you're a man and you're producing testosterone, again, are you producing enough? And is it getting to the right places? Is it getting to the muscles to allow you to build muscle? Or are you wasting? Um, you know, so it's, it's all of the things mm. around our internal health, um, the transport of those hormones that really keeps us ticking along, literally keeps our heart ticking, yeah, yeah. keeps our heart ticking at the right, uh, right pace, mm. gets the blood pumping around the body, mm. and as I said, transports those hormones into the right places so they can do all of their various functions. All right, so it's a lot of, um, a lot of internal functions that we don't necessarily see the evidence externally, so mm. therefore we tend to turn a blind eye. If we can't see it, we don't worry about it. Um, we do know there's five areas we consider with metabolic health, and it's important to understand the levels and maintain the balance. Maybe if you walk through each of those five areas, give us a sense of what that particular aspect is mm. and understanding sort of how it impacts the body and maybe the balance and the levels. I tell you what I'm going to do first, though. I'm okay. going to give you a statistic and tell you what happens if you don't have good metabolic is health. Is it scary? Uh, it's definitely scary. Good. I love a scary one. <laughs> the listeners like to be scared by you. So, so let's I change get, it I around. I get to be scared by you every day. Let's change it around a bit, Mike. Let's talk about what happens if you don't. Because if you do have good metabolic health, you probably yes. just don't realise because you feel good okay. you've got plenty of energy um, your digestion's good your heart feels good um, probably you know your blood pressure and all those things are, mm. are good mm. so if if you've got good metabolic health you're able to function what we would call normally yes whatever normal is yes at peak performance but at peak performance 
but 88% of Americans, now it's an American statistic, but 88% of Americans have got metabolic dysfunction. So that means 88% of people in America, their metabolic system, all those internal processes, are not operating efficiently or effectively. Mm. So and they may be suffering from what you're going to go through. That's it. And so you might say, well, so, so what? what? <laughs> it's so what? Okay. I've got lousy metabolic health, so what? It's well, not perfect, so what? But there's so a big, what? serious list of so what's, isn't there? There's a real serious. Now, the top one, and it's of interest to a lot of people, is obesity. Okay. You know, we know that obesity is rising. We know that obesity um, represents about 42% of the population in the US. We know that childhood obesity globally is already at about 20%, mm. with some of our developed countries around about 30, 35, 40%. Yes. So we know that there's a very large proportion of the world's population who are obese. There's an even bigger number that are overweight. So if you put yes. together the obesity and the, the overweight, staggering statistic. it's a staggering statistic. Now, mm -hmm. if you don't have good metabolic health, then you are at very high risk of becoming overweight and or obese. And conversely, if you're trying to lose weight and become less obese or less overweight and into the ideal size and shape, then metabolic health must be one of those things you must consider Otherwise, all the other areas you're working on are going to be you know, fraught, with, fraught with barriers if your metabolic health isn't where it needs to be. That's it. They go hand in hand. So Absolutely. That's probably the, um, the first one. Good. The second one is probably type 2 diabetes. Because Which again, again yep. we know that if we stick with America for our statistics today, uh, because there's a lot of stats come out of America. So we know that one in three people already has type mm. 2 diabetes and even more have got pre-diabetes, which means they're just in that early phase or just about to get yes. type 2 diabetes. Knocking on the door of type 2. Knocking on the, the door of type 2. And just think about that. Type 2 diabetes, mm. you know, means that you are going to be suffering ill health and ill health effects for the rest of your life. Yes. Unless you do something about it. Absolutely. So type 2 diabetes um, would be the next one. The next one would be heart disease. So mm -hmm. heart disease and stroke. Um, they, you know, if your metabolic health isn't where it needs to be, they are definitely at risk of, of being affected. Mm. Um, so we don't think of these as being metabolic conditions, but essentially um, they are. So the next one would be um, would be cancer. And again, another statistic, right. one in three. <laughs> There's Americans. not much of the body left at the moment. This, this metabolic left. health is kind of affecting everything, isn't it? It really? is. Well, if you think about it, one in at least one in three Americans is obese. Yes. Um, that's linked to metabolic health. At least one in three Americans gets heart disease. That's linked to metabolic health. And at least one in three Americans gets cancer. That's linked to metabolic health. Mm. So um, there will be some overlap, but we're talking about virtually the whole population. And as I said, 88% of Americans have got metabolic dysfunction. Which plays So do you see sense. the link? Yep, yep. Metabolic dysfunction, and we've got a lot of people who are obese, type 2 diabetics, and they've got heart disease. Yes. So this metabolic mm. issue mm. is responsible for all of those conditions. And then I can go on because it's also... Um, responsible for neurological conditions. Wow. Um, it is potentially a contributor to kidney disease. Okay. And, and there's more, you know, there's things like um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is obviously unique to women. Yes. But, there, you know, there are a number of other conditions, and mm. we could sit and talk about all the conditions that could frighten the life out of people, mm, mm, mm. literally, uh, with all the things that you're at risk of, if your metabolic health isn't where it needs to be. So it's pretty compelling. To think that there are 
probably you know, you've listed at least 10 very significant health problems mm. that are very prevalent in America and in a lot of Western societies um, that we need to really consider, okay, mm. we, are at, we are at high risk of being, you know, being predisposed to those if we don't at least understand our metabolic health and then take steps to minimise the potential impact if we're mm. out of whack. All right, so we've got the scary bit. We now understand 88% of Americans um, have a metabolic health condition. What is metabolic health? What are the elements that feed into it? And then more importantly, what can we do to make sure our metabolic health stays where it needs to be? Yeah, and I think if you're tuning in for another country and you say, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm wherever I am in the world and that's those stats are, are America. What we know mm. is that other developed and developing countries, yes. this is not only developed countries, this, this is really worldwide, yep. the stats are increasing. Yes. So, you know, most countries, I would suggest, are well above the 30, 40% mark. Yes. And they're well on the way to, it, to, to catching America up. In yep. fact, America sort of plateaued a bit. Um, other countries are catching up very, very fast. Yeah. So, so it's still a concern. It's still a concern. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm. So there's, there's five ways that we can look at the body's systems and get an indication of how our metabolic health is doing. Um, so it's really good to have a look at these. And, you know, if you're somebody who's really interested in your health and your wellness, yep. and, you know, perhaps you want to set yourself a benchmark because you want to make some improvements, great to get these measured because then you can make some changes and we'll talk about what those changes are. You can then come back to those measurements and have a look again and, have a look again and yeah. see the difference. So it's it, this is actually one of those things that you can measure mm. and you can improve and then you can track and see your progress over time. So the first one's blood sugar. Right. So blood sugar, basically when we think about blood sugar, what is happening with blood sugar is if we take in carbohydrates particularly, then the body's got to use those carbohydrates. It's got to turn them into glucose. And then it's got to um, find a way to use that glucose to feed our cells and give us energy. Yes. All right. So what happens is the pancreas releases insulin. So when we take in carbohydrate, we turn that into glucose, we get insulin released. And insulin basically is the thing that allows that glucose to get into the cells and be used. Right. So if we don't have insulin, if we, if we don't produce it, the glucose can't get into our cells and it doesn't produce any energy. Right. So remembering that glucose, if you're a carbohydrate eater, is your fuel source. Yes. So we're feeding the body fuel, yep. but if we don't have um, we, insulin, we can't use, can't use it. Yes. So it's like putting, you know, it's like putting fuel into your car and then having a hole somewhere in the pipes so mm, that all mm, just comes out. Absolutely. So basically um, the problem if our blood sugar level rises. Um, which is an indicator of poor metabolic health. So if the blood sugar level rises, then we've got to produce more insulin. So the body will try and do that. And it will keep pumping insulin out. And then it will keep working harder and harder. So if I increase my carbohydrate and glucose levels and I give my body more and more and more carbohydrate, the pancreas has to work harder and harder and harder to produce and effectively like an equal amount of insulin. Mm. So as your carbohydrates go up, your body must produce more insulin to handle that amount of carbohydrates mm, wow. and to be able to use it and then store it in the muscles, you know, to keep you going through the day. Okay. So what happens essentially is you get to the point where you've produced so much glucose, so much insulin, the body starts to become resistant 
it's a bit like, can you imagine somebody saying, I, I, I'm full. Yeah, I'm full. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm full. My, my <laughs> cells stop. are full. Oh, you have forced glucose yes. into my cells. Yes. Man, stop. I can't take any more. Yes. And that is literally what every little cell in your body is doing. Screaming. If you are putting in too much mm. carbohydrate, you're constantly eating carbs and sugar and you know, all those very, very high glycemic carbohydrates. So the white the white bread, the flour, the sugar, yes. you know, all the refined foods, the processed foods, your cells are just going stop, 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 stop. And then they have their own defense mechanism, which basically says, we've had enough. We're now not going to be sensitive to that insulin. So that's when we develop what we call insulin resistance. Mm. So even though we've produced a lot of it, because yes. we've increased our, our carbohydrates and glucose and produced more insulin, the cells are blocking it. So we get this condition called insulin resistance and we can't use the glucose that our body has. Interesting. Even worse, we go another step further, and that's when we're talking about you know type 2 diabetes yes. developing. We go a step further and we actually just wear out the poor little pancreas. So that poor little pancreas is sitting in there, it's been <laughs> pumping out insulin, <laughs> it's been working 10 times as hard as it should have been. It goes on long service. And then. eventually it just says, Enough. I'm out. Yep. I just, I'm, I've, you know, literally, I'm burned out. Yes. I'm fatigued. Yep. And then it switches off and then you've got no insulin. Mm. So then you've got glucose coming in, you've got no insulin and you're diabetic. Right. So the so if we measure our blood sugar level, and we do that by measuring our fasting blood glucose or even our non-fasting blood glucose, we should be able to see are we within the guidelines. Yes. And if we're keeping it within the guidelines, then that's the first indicator that our diabetes risk is minimal. Okay. If we start to see blood sugar or blood glucose go up, and if it remains high over a long period of time and starts to get higher and higher, then we're increasing our risk for pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes and all of these other conditions that we've talked about. So that's probably the first and one of the biggest indicators of metabolic health. Fantastic. And great, yeah, a great simplistic explanation mm. of why the pancreas goes on strike. Yes. And when you uh, scoff your face full of excess carbohydrates and sugars. All right, that's the first indicator. What's the second indicator of metabolic health? Second indicator is triglycerides. So mm -hmm. when people talk about um, blood cholesterol levels, they tend to talk about two things, triglycerides and um, cholesterol itself. Yes. Now, there's been a lot of confusion over the past 30, 40, 50 years about whether high triglycerides are good or bad and whether high cholesterol levels are good or bad. And you will still see a lot of debate around. Mm. But what we do know is if you have excessively high triglycerides and you're a carbohydrate eater, then you're likely to be suffering some metabolic conditions. Okay. All right, so that's the next one. Very easy. I'm not going to talk too much about triglycerides. They have a very important function in the body. But if they get too high, then again, we're starting to see potentially disease and, on its way. And it's one of those levels we can measure and we can track and Correct. manage the triglyceride levels. So just talking about the first two, the blood sugar and the triglycerides. Blood sugar is very easy to measure. You can pop along to your chemist or pharmacist or your doctor and they'll just do a you know, pinprick test on your finger. And they will just literally, there and then, on the spot, give you your blood sugar level or your blood glucose level. You can get blood drawn and they'll give you an indicator of what your blood glucose has been over okay. the last few months. Yes. Um, so that's a more accurate indicator because it's not just taking a spot measurement. Mm. It's telling you if your blood sugar has uh, been okay. elevated over the last yes, few months. Yes, yes. 
Um, or you can even buy yourself a kit, a blood, you know, blood um, glucose measurement kit. And there you just simply prick your finger every day with a special little device. You get a stick, yep. get a drop of blood, put it on the stick, and, and it will instantly give you... Gotta love technology. Gotta love technology. Triglycerides a bit more tricky. Mm. Um, you can't do that at home. That one you do have to go and get blood drawn. And mm. you can get some blood work done to tell you what your triglycerides are. Mm. Easy test. Um, and good to see what the, the level is. All right, that's the first two. Number three, metabolic health indicator. Mm, next one is cholesterol. And um, I don't want to go into the whole cholesterol myth at this point, other than to say cholesterol is not bad. Mm. Cholesterol is actually really good. If we didn't have cholesterol, we would actually fall apart. It performs a really important function in every single one of our cells and it's required by every single cell. So if you have been one of those people eating low fat for years yep, yep. because you think that fat is bad and it causes cholesterol, mm. please read up on this because um, it's, it's yes. not bad. You need yes. cholesterol. You so have you been misled. Want fat, you yes. want fat to produce cholesterol. In the body, what does cholesterol do? It basically takes hormones and it transports them around the mm. body to where they're needed and where they're used. Yes. And remember, I'm not just talking about female hormones, I'm talking about sleep hormones, wake hormones, things like adrenaline cortisol, I'm talking about the, the sex hormones, mm. talking about the estrogen, the testosterone. So all of the various different hormones, the insulin. It's the Uber of hormones. It is the Uber of hormones, it so is we need We need the Uber service out there, otherwise we, we don't do. get the hormones. So if we don't have the, the LDL cholesterol, then we've got nothing to transport hormones around. Mm, mm. Um, that's the LDL. The HDL cholesterol, that's the high-density lipoprotein cholesterol, what that does, um, that basically t goes around the body and picks up all the used hormones. So once, the, once they've been used and sort of thrown away, like the yes. packaging's been used yes. and thrown away, the HDL will go around the body, pick them all up. So it's like the, it's like the, um, the garbage wagon. Mm picks up the, the used hormones, puts them in the back, and then transports them back to the liver yes. to be reprocessed and eliminated from the body. Right. So without high-density lipoprotein, HDL cholesterol, again, we're not going to pick up all of those waste hormones and dispose of them. And can you imagine what's happening if you don't get your garbage delivery, your garbage um, pickup service every week? It's it a bit smelly in there. Your garbage gets, it builds up and it gets yes. smelly. Yes. And that's what happens. So we need HDL and we know now it's a very protective type of cholesterol. It cleans out the blood vessels. Yes. Performs a really important sort of sweeping mechanism. So especially in, in the cardiovascular system, it keeps those blood vessels nice and clean mm. and clear and avoids plaque being built up. So we really do need the HDL. So when you measure HDL by getting, again, blood work done, when you measure HDL cholesterol, if it's low, that's a bad sign. Mm. We want HDL to be high. Which, unfortunately, we have been led to believe over the years that high cholesterol is a problem. Mm. And we now understand that that research and that popular belief is not where it needs to be. So there's a lot of people out there who would be sort of saying, hang on a second, that's a bit different to what I've been brought up on. But the research suggests that high cholesterol isn't as bad as we thought. And we need the Ubers and we need the garbage collectors of the hormones to make sure our body's healthy. We do. And I, um, again, a small digression mm. here. Many people do suffer with low HDL cholesterol. Yes. And if you go and see your medical professional, you have blood work done and your cholesterol, your HDL cholesterol specifically is low, what your GP is likely to do is to give you statins. 
And statins is that it will raise your HDL cholesterol. Yes. But it will also give you many other potential mm. disease risks. It increases heart um, disease risk, increases the risk of stroke, um, and I could go on for, for a long time. Quick, quick fix medication. So don't be tempted with statins. Mm. They really are a dangerous drug, mm. but the GPs get paid a significant amount of money to prescribe them. So avoid that one. We'll tell you how to fix HDL <laughs> in a second. All right, number four. Number four. Now, number four is um, is interesting because this is a really easy one to measure, and it's your blood pressure. Easy, All right? Yep. So really easy. Go along to your, your medical professional or, or get one of those little you know sleeves that you can yep, yep. use at home or and measure. Or the local gym usually. Yeah, isn't it? that's it. Go and measure your blood pressure. Yes. And look for that being in the normal range. Mm, mm. So again, if your blood pressure is high, it's an indicator that your heart is having to work a lot yep. harder to pump the blood around your body. So it means it's meeting resistance. Maybe you know you've got you may have clogged arteries, you may have other respiratory issues, it could be a whole host of reasons, mm. but blood pressure being elevated for a long period of time is not good because it really is making the heart work very hard. So we've already got the pancreas working hard, mm. we've now got the heart working hard, we've put stress on the liver because yes. we haven't given it any HDL cholesterol. Mm. And you know, we're starting now to build up a picture of all of our internal organs. Under pressure. Under stress. pressure and yeah. stress. All right, lucky last. Lucky last is another super easy one to measure and it's waist circumference. Your waist oh, wow. size. Okay. It's interesting. So literally, and you've probably seen pictures about this where you see the pictures of people who look pear-shaped. Yes. And people who look apple-shaped. Yes. And that's because the bigger our waist is, in relation to the rest of our body especially, the more at risk we are of metabolic conditions. And that's because when we pack on fat, if we've got metabolic syndrome or if we've got poor metabolic health, the fat goes around the waist. Mm, okay. And so hence we get that apple shape. It's not our arms and legs. Yep. It's the it's the waist that gets it first. Yep. And you see it, you, everybody points to their tummy. I've packed on a few pounds. Yes, yes. They pat their tummy. Yes. Um, and so that... Basically, that white fat that's sitting around the midriff, the midline, is sitting around all of our internal organs. So it's sitting around, you know, the heart and the liver and the kidneys. And just imagine they're being surrounded in white fat. Mm. It's not very healthy. So again, it's an indicator that we've got too much fat around our belly, and that's an unhealthy type of fat, and it's coming from that metabolic syndrome. All right, so we've got these five indicators of metabolic health, and what we're looking to do is to measure them and manage them and keep them within the recommended areas. Mm. And then if we do that effectively, we will have good metabolic health. If we fail to do that and we go outside of those, in any of those areas, mm. we could be predisposed to all those conditions you talked about earlier. Exactly right. All right, last piece of the puzzle mm. is then how do we keep those indicators within the balanced areas we need what are some of the, the steps we can take yeah good and it's not only about keeping them in the balanced levels it's also about how do we reverse of course the conditions yes. so if you've got high blood sugar if you're one of the 88 percent if you're listening in with the, with the dodgy metabolic health there's some really good news i've given you some horrible you know fearful news you do that often and i love to scare and no, i don't I lo- <laughs> you love to be realistic I do love to scare people. and honest i do Um, The reason I like to scare people is because I think people need a wake-up call. Mm. This is serious, people. You know, we are dealing with um, life-threatening conditions here. Mm. 
And the great news is they are all reversible. Yes. So even people who've got significant mm. dysfunction, who've got their blood sugar out of whack, who've got type 2 mm. diabetes, mm. high triglycerides, low HDL, yeah. um, high blood pressure, and you know an increased weight size, all of that can be reversed. What I love about this bit, the fix-it bit, which I know you're going to go through, is they're all lifestyle changes. There is no surgery, there's no medication, we don't have to do anything dramatic, we just have to clean up our lifestyle in a few simple areas and our metabolic health will be tip-top. Exactly right. Mm. So the first the first one, and the exciting thing for me is this is the big one, this is the big ticket item. Yes. You do this and within four weeks you can have significantly improved your metabolic health. Mm. And I'm talking four weeks. You may just have had a lifetime of, of poor metabolic health, but within four weeks, you can make a difference. Absolutely. That's what all is it? we're talking about. It is removing carbs and sugar. Very simple. This is what you hear us say all the time. <laughs> Change your fuel source. Change your fuel sources. What we're going to do when we take away the carbohydrates and the sugar, we're going to remove the glucose from the body. Mm. And remember my description of the blood sugar issues when we pile in glucose. To use that, the body needs insulin and therefore the pancreas, to work, pancreas has to work really hard. Yes. If we simply cut off that glucose supply, then we can start immediately to bring down the blood sugar level. Mm. We can bring it back to a reasonable range. Now, if we're going to cut out the carbohydrate and sugar, hand in hand with that, we need to do something else, which is we need to replace that fuel source yes. with an alternative. Yes, which so is our friend, the healthy fats. It's the healthy fats. So take away <clears throat> the carbohydrate and sugar, all the processed foods, and bring in healthy fats from animal sources, mm. things like butter, ghee, animal fat, um, you know, perhaps avocados, olive yep. oil, nuts, that sort of thing. Bring in the healthy fats, replace all your carbs with the healthy fats, and basically what that does is it switches the body. It's like getting a great big switch and pulling that mm. big lever mm your body will then switch into a state of ketosis. Mm. And when we're in ketosis, the body takes the fat that you give it, the dietary fat, and it takes the fat that you've got stored, your body fat, and it burns both of those in the liver and it produces ketones. And Beautiful. the body uses those ketones for energy. Additional benefit, they are long-lasting, sustainable. Um, you don't get the highs and the lows of carbohydrates. And we talk a lot about yes. this. They are a wonderful, pure, clean mm. fuel source. They'll make you feel amazing. Because your body's running so well, you'll feel energetic, mm. energized, All those things. full of life. So one of the first things you can do is follow the ketogenic, the carnivore, or the ketovore lifestyle. And any of those ways of eating will remove the unnecessary carbohydrates, remove most of the carbohydrates and allow your body to switch to a different fuel source and address a lot of those metabolic issues. Exactly. Right. So that's four weeks. We're talking about reversing type 2 diabetes. Um, we're talking about reversing metabolic conditions in four weeks Fantastic. with that single No drugs, no alone. surgery, no interventions, just changing your lifestyle. Exactly right. Next, next one. Next one. Next it's still one is part of the still part of the lifestyle piece, isn't it? Still part, still of, part the of the lifestyle. Still part of the keto ketogenic carnivore piece. It is. So the extension of pure keto carnivore eating or ketovore eating mm. is then to restrict when you can eat. Yes. So what we might call intermittent fasting or time restricted eating. So here, what we're talking about is instead of just feeding and mm. grazing all day, yes, we are going to give our body a rest. Yes. So in the same way that you go to bed and sleep at night. 
our digestion needs a rest. So we're going to restrict our food intake up to 16 hours a day. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow your body to burn through any glucose that's in your blood mm. during those 16 hours. Yes. So we eat our last meal of the day, let's say in the evening, we stop feeding, we go overnight, we fast overnight, our body's chewing through whatever's left in our system, uses it up overnight, we keep the fast, so we keep going, we don't eat in the morning, perhaps go through to lunchtime, and during that period of time, the body is nicely producing ketones yep. and just getting rid of any glucose that, you know, because we might have had a small amount of carbohydrates. Mm, uh, absolutely. And it will use all of those carbohydrates. Mm. What that's doing is it's improving our metabolic flexibility. Yes. And if we then add in an additional longer fast, so let's just say we've got into the ketovore, ketogenic or carnivore lifestyle, and we're doing really well and we're starting to get fat adapted and we've removed all our carbohydrates and we just want to really make sure we're in ketosis and we're getting the therapeutic benefits Yes. because you really want the therapeutic levels of ketones, not the low levels, mm -hmm. then you might do an extended fast for say 36 or 48 hours. Mm, um, full cleanse. And that will really just burn through the last of the glucose in your system. Yes. It will get to the point where your cells actually start to renew. So the old damaged cells get sent away and new cells come in their place and that's called autophagy. So the benefit of that is if you've got old and diseased cells, if you've got half cells, partial cells, those cells that could go on to become cancerous, you've got problem cells in your heart, this is going to sweep them out, it's going yep. to clear them out. The garbage collectors again. Garbage collectors again, <coughs> take yep. them all away yep. and then after your fast, you're growing new cells because you're giving your body beautiful, nutritious mm. food that it can start to regenerate and get rid of all that disease. Mm. So again, it's a lifestyle change. It is removing the carbs, removing the sugars um, through a change of how you eat, but also the extended fasting, intermission fasting to remove all the glucose. The next one is removing another real nasty and one of your faves, <laughs> which is. is the old industrial seed oils. It is. And, you know, we, we got industrial seed oils. They came to us actually by accident, mm. way, way back in the 1800s. Mm. Um, when it's were, a fascinating story. This, it's it? a fascinating story. Yeah. And we should do some more about this. But mm. basically, um, when we were starting to get industrialised, yeah. we, um, we had a company who produced um, soap. And the reason it happened is because cottonseed oil yeah. used to be used for lighting. So in our, in our lamps, in the yes. houses, they used cottonseed oil. Mm -hmm. And uh, around, uh, I think it was about the 1860s, don't remember the exact date, they found oil. Right? So they discovered petroleum oil, natural right. oil. And so that, what that meant is they didn't need this cottonseed oil. Mm. They had a cheaper source, <laughs> an easier source. And so they moved to using this, um, this petroleum-based oil. And so we had all this cottonseed oil, it basically went to waste was labelled as toxic waste. And Procter & Gamble came along to, um, to soap manufacturers and they said, well, we could make a different type of soap because until that point, soap was made from pig fat. Oh, so not okay. a lot of people realise that soap was originally from animal fat. Right. And sorry, they came sorry along, vegetarians. That's right. They, so they came along and said, hey, uh, we could make soap from this cottonseed oil. It's, yes. it's all waste. Yes. So they started to do it and they hydrogenated the oil and that took it from a, a liquid into a solid, because that's what hydrogenation does. Um, and that's done in a big chemical process. Mm. Along the way, they found out by accident, um, or 
there was a guy in Germany actually who found that he could also make an edible oil using this hydrogenation process. Mm. Procter & Gamble bought the patent, actually bought the plant, and started to make a, a, an industrial seed oil that could be literally used to, um, to put in our to food, to cook with. Eat. Now, originally, it was, it was like a replacement for shortening, so it was a solid. Ah, and okay. it was marketed as Crisco. Right. Um, and they used it in pastry and baking products and that sort of thing. Mm, I do remember the name. So Crisco came along. Um, yes. They were very, very clever in their marketing. Mm. They gave away free cookbooks. And guess what was required in every single oh, recipe? I would say the oil that is made from soap and made from lamp oil that is poisonous but now repackaged as edible. There you go. So Good. Crisco, <laughs> toxic waste, <laughs> is now called for in every recipe and it ended up in every household. Fantastic. And they then went on, very smart guys, they then went on and said, well, it'd be quite handy if we produced not only the solid form a but a form. nice liquid form. Yes, a beautiful coloured liquid form that looks attractive. We did. So we got this solid and we got the semi-solid mm, and mm. we got so the, the solid was the shortening mm. the semi-solid was the margarine yes and the liquid was the stuff that you fried with so you had whatever you wanted there was an oil or fat which came from plants so it was mm. it was billed as a healthy oil yes and when all the the lipid hypothesis came out with people like Ansel Keys and we got the advice don't have saturated fat anymore yes. and everybody said oh best not eat animals everyone turned to, to the plant fat. Yeah. So we started taking in this industrial seed oil, and what we've seen ever since then is that the rate of heart disease, obesity, cancer, type 2 diabetes, and all of these metabolic conditions has risen exponentially. Okay. So, so one of the areas that we focus on with metabolic health is to remove all industrial seed oils from our diet. And they are cotton seed oil, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, flaxseed oil, any of those, they are produced in industrial chemical processes yes. by hydrogenation. They require chemicals and solvents to clean them up mm. and they are basically damaging to the metabolic system and the reason they're damaging is because they contain very high levels mm. of polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs or omega-6s and our body isn't designed for that quantity of omega-6. And while you're there you can remove the soap. Don't eat soap. <laughs> don't eat soap. Don't, don't eat gasoline. <laughs> same, same but different. But don't eat soap and gasoline because they're equally as toxic as That's the industrial right. seed oils. <laughs> Brilliant. That doesn't scare the heck out of people. <laughs> don't rub it on your skin, vegans. Vegans, don't do it because there's pigs in there. <laughs> oink, oink. If you rub, no, it. If you rub it on, that. it may affect your body's life. No, I get it. All right. Um, metabolic health fixes exercise movement. Why does it impact the metabolic health? So, again, if you, know, if you think about a muscle, right, yes. what do you do if you want to maintain that muscle strength and tone? You work it. Absolutely. You, you put it under pressure, you lift weights. Yes. So it's the same with our metabolic system. So if we think about at least a part of our metabolic system is our heart, our cardiovascular system, our respiratory system. Yes. We need to work it. So what we know is if we do some cardio exercise, maybe some high intensity exercise, that is going to work the, the metabolic health or improve metabolic health. And again, with um, lifting weights, lifting weights, building muscle, building tone, it's all going to help our metabolic health. Um, probably not as much as the, the first um, first four interventions we mm, talked about. It's certainly a contributor. But it's certainly a contributor. So, you know, you can have good metabolic health and not exercise. Yes. 
but it's a lot better for your overall body, your overall system, if you do exercise, mm. because we know it contributes to good health. And if you're changing your lifestyle, it would seem to be a very smart move to include some type of movement, mm. not just for the metabolic health, but for all the other wellness benefits as well. Exactly. Which... And, and I will just say, it's you can't just exercise and not do the rest. <laughs> nice try, people. That's it. So if, if you were thinking, well, I don't want to change my diet. I'll just eat, eat soap and exercise. I, you know, I enjoy, what I, I enjoy my processed soap. Um, and I'll just do a bunch of exercise. Yeah, don't worry. It's not going to work. No. It's no. definitely not going to work. It's not enough. And you can't just do the last one with by itself because the last one is sleep. The last one is <laughs> you sleep. You can't just sleep lots more and get better health. But why does sleep, why is sleep an important contributor to good metabolic health? Because when we're sleeping, our body's basically repairing itself. It's restoring. Mm. All of those cells are renewing. Our nutrients are get taken, getting taken up. All of those hormonal processes are working and active mm. so if we go to bed at the right time get up at the right time sleep for the right amount of time get deep sleep get REM sleep all of those bodies metabolic systems can do what they're meant to do at the mm. right time the hormones can be produced they can be transported they can be used and any damage that's been caused in the body whether it's from food or exercise or stress all of that can be repaired and we can basically get ourselves well mm. simply by sleeping. So if you want to make sure your metabolic health is in good condition, then it really is the last piece of the jigsaw. Mm. Do everything else, but if you neglect your sleep, you actually still could be at risk of type 2 diabetes because your body's under stress. You could still be at risk of cancer because you're not giving your body a chance to get rid of damaged cells. Yes. Um, you could still be at risk for things like heart disease because again, your body's not doing all of its repair processes. So to make sure that you're reducing the stress on the body, giving it a chance to repair and recover, you need to get good sleep. And you especially will not lose weight, at least not to the extent that you need, if you're not getting good sleep. Mm. And we've got episodes on all of those things, um, especially sleep, because it's a, it's a big area for, for mm. people to, to be aware of. So we started today talking about the importance of metabolic health, and one of the things you said early on was we don't necessarily have the awareness because we don't see externally metabolic health. Mm. But we do know statistically that a huge percentage of people, metabolic health is not where it needs to be. Mm. Five areas to monitor, measure, and manage. Mm. And if we understand each of those five areas and measure them regularly, we can control, we at least understand where our health sits. And then the fix it is really just lifestyle change. So it's actually a very simple fix. And a lot of it aligns to a lot of the people tuning in, which is the ketogenic or mm. the ketovore lifestyle. Um, a few simple changes and your metabolic health could be in great shape. In great shape. Fascinating. And fast. Remember that within 30 days, you mm. can start to reverse these conditions and yes. get yourself back to good health. You'll be younger, taller, richer, all exactly. those things. Everything gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so fascinating information. I really think a lot of people will appreciate it. And again, those people tuning in, if you have any questions specific to your metabolic health, please fire them through. We'd love to answer them and help you out. Join us again on the next Peaks Live episode. That's it. Oh. And find us on Facebook, because if you have got questions, if you pop them on Facebook, send us a message. We will reply to you personally, and we will give you the help and support you need. Mm, you might join our Facebook group, which is a secret shh, secret Facebook group where we talk about special things that no one else gets to hear about. So if you want to know about that, ask us. We'll let you in. Hey guys, thanks for joining us on the Peaks Audio Experience. Make sure you've subscribed and please share the podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to tell all your friends it's awesome, it's amazing and inspiring. And send us your hot topics to cover on a future episode. For now, have a great Peaks day. Peaks.